Welcome to the Awareness Offerings Podcast, a weekly offering of yoga philosophy discussion and guided meditation for the moments we're living in. I'm your host, Laura Tara Davy Joplin. I'm a yoga and meditation teacher, spiritual social media strategist, and integrative counselor, working to integrate the principles of the spiritual path into every aspect of my work and my life. This podcast is an extension of that work as I navigate the world as a white woman devotee of yoga, living at many intersections of privilege, living in the West, and trying to live with awareness. Thank you for joining me in this work. You're listening to episode 61, The Joy Deficit. Hello and welcome to this week's podcast. Delighted to be here with you. Candidly delighted that I had time and space to sit down and be here with you and record this. I am in one of my closest friends' weddings this weekend. It is a joy. It is exciting. And it's a lot, right? There's a lot to do. So I'm grateful for this space to sit uh, and share practice and connect So as always, if you'd like to support the ways that we share practice and connect on this podcast, best ways to do so are to subscribe, rate, and or leave a review on whatever platform you're listening to. You can also share via word of mouth or social if you feel called, and all of those actions help other people find this show. Deep gratitude for that and deepest gratitude for your presence right here and right now. So right here and now, let's get into our our work our our exploration, our practice together with our opening practice of singing the sound of Om one time. Om is the sound of consciousness. We're asking for everything that comes up here, everything we hear and say and do and feel and practice to be held in the container of consciousness, more consciousness, more awareness. That's the ask. You can do that by joining me in singing out loud, or you can just listen. That is also a practice. If you're coming along, you might get your body into a comfortable position. You might choose to close your eyes or take a soft gaze by looking down your nose or toward the floor, just focusing a little bit more on the internal than the external for a moment, which is one way that we can cultivate consciousness. From here, you might choose to take an inhale through your nose if nostril breathing is available. And an exhale through your nose, just making some space first. And then we'll inhale for one round of OM. My cat is having a snack while we OM, so there's additional sound joining us in this practice. But an inhale, nonetheless. Thank you for joining me in that practice, and now for this week's discussion. (laughs) It truly never fails that Zen, which is my big giant bobcat's name, uh, he never, never fails that he needs to have a snack right when it's podcast time. So just rolling with it, right? I'm not a professional podcaster. Um, It's one of many of my offerings and I do it as an offering. Um, So, you know, sometimes there's cat sounds in the background. So for this week's discussion, we're talking about the joy deficit. 
That is something that my spiritual teacher, Swami Jaya Devi, who teaches at an urban ashram, Kashi Atlanta ashram, here in my city of Atlanta, and has been my teacher since 2016, and is kind of one of the beloved lights on my path. But that's something that she said last night. She coined this term, the joy deficit, uh, when she was teaching. She teaches a, a meditation and yoga philosophy class every Wednesday night. And she talked about how we are in a joy deficit right now. And this was very affirming for me to hear. It was something I needed to hear, though I didn't quite know that I needed it. Because it puts words to this phenomenon that I'm feeling and that I know that other people are feeling based on just conversations I've had and things that I've heard where it's hard <laughs> to deeply connect to our hearts right now. It's hard to fully take things in from the heart, to fully enjoy things at the deepest level like we might have a few years ago. It's not to say it never happens, but it's more complicated than it used to be. And it's harder now to connect to the joyful moments and many moments in our life deeply from the heart. That's something that I'm experiencing and I know other people are experiencing. For example, you know, my practice of yoga, I am in, I've, I just reached my nine year anniversary uh, with my yoga practice, my longest, most serious relationship. Um, and it is still my greatest support, uh, my greatest source of curiosity, centering, uh, challenge and connection, all of these things. It, it remains this steady kind of beacon of presence in my life and I would not be anywhere um, that I am without it. It is the foundation for everything and that remains true. And I notice that when I'm doing practice, not all the time, but definitely at least sometimes, it's harder to fully feel just the depth of my practice sometimes, especially when my practice is feeling quote unquote good, right? Because I am not a person that believes that yoga is supposed to be all bliss, all love, all light, all the time. Yoga means wholeness. The Sanskrit word means union. Um, so it's all of it. Yoga is everything, every part of our experience, the bliss and the discomfort and everything beyond and in between. But even still, you know, sometimes my practice feels really hard and I'm frustrated or uncomfortable or my body hurts. But even in the moments where I'm feeling good in my body and I can tell that I'm in a flow and I'm really present, even then it's sometimes not as easy to fully receive that, that flow and that presence, to fully receive the goodness and the kind of the nectar of my practice like I would have a few years ago. There's something a little bit disconnected and that's something I've really been noticing. And like I said, I've heard it from other people. And so hearing my spiritual teacher in class last night say that we are in a joy deficit right now, it was so affirming and it's exactly what I needed to hear. It helped me put words to this phenomenon that I haven't quite known how to identify or explain. It's a joy deficit, right? We have gone through so much. We continue to go through so much and it's been so hard that one, there just hasn't logistically been as much room for joy and we've had to deal with so much that we haven't had as much space to connect with joy. So I agree that we are in a joy deficit. And 
to expand on my, you know, this this concept comes from my teacher. This pod, this this topic for this week's podcast, it does not come from me. Most of it doesn't come from me, as I say often, but this one definitely doesn't. My Swami Jaya Devi put this idea into the world, and I'm simply receiving it and processing it and expanding on it here in this podcast. And to expand on my teacher's thoughts, I as I sat and really processed this concept of the joy deficit. The reason that really makes sense to me is because we have experienced so many somber things in the last few years. We've been dealing with a pandemic that has killed over a million people in our country. We have been in the midst of the trauma it has caused all of us to be in a place of such deep uncertainty, of such rapid change and disconnection from the from the structures of our lives and our communities that we were used to that was all traumatic and the pandemic itself very somber not to mention the structural inequities that continue to come to light and get more and more intense in the last few years we were faced with the reality of anti-black violence racial violence once again in 2020 and beyond, right? It did not start then and it didn't stop then, but it came to this really acute head in 2020. um, And we were sitting in the reality of the rage and the grief and the injustice and the, just the, the, the evil of white supremacy. And that's just to name a couple of the things among many, right? I could do an entire podcast just listing all the shit we've had to deal with in the last two and a half years and are still dealing with now. So that's just to name a couple. But the point is we've had to deal with so many somber things that it almost, and this is just my experience that I'm speaking to. This is not, I'm not intending this as a universal truth, but we've had to deal with so many somber things that it almost hasn't felt appropriate to fully feel our joy, let alone express our joy or share our joy. And in some ways, that's correct, right? We were in the midst of such deep loss and uncertainty and grief that there would have been moments where it would have been out of touch or callous to just be all out, all joy, nothing but joy all the time. And you know, in moments where the black community, of course, of which I am not a member, um, so I don't share this with any intention of speaking to an experience I have not lived, but from my understanding and things that I've learned from, you know, black public figures, when the black community was in their visceral grief around, say, George, George Floyd's murder in 2020, going on with our lives, sharing the little joys of our days, say on social media or something, would have been completely inappropriate. It's like, you know, bringing a PowerPoint of your own accomplishments to a funeral, right? So in some ways, it's it's true. It is correct that we did have to get really somber and it wasn't appropriate for us to always be connected to our joy. And I am feeling like that has created within us difficulty in connecting to our joy period that now that we have 
grown through everything we've grown through. That doesn't mean that these things I'm referencing as our challenges are over. They are not. But we are in a different place with them. We have learned lessons together. We are continuing to evolve. The circumstances are continuing to evolve. And in some ways, now I I think... You know, I'm sharing this more with application to the pandemic than I am to racial violence because racial violence is always a public health crisis and an emergency. But in some ways, with some things, we are starting to back out of fight or flight, of survival mode and emergency status. And now that we get to come down from that space of hypervigilance and high nervous system arousal in some ways... I think as we land, we're noticing that we had to get so serious and be in so much grief and challenge for so long that it has disconnected us from our joy. And in some ways, it's almost like, and this is again, just me speaking to my experience, that in the moments that were so big and so somber that it would not have been appropriate to live in a space of joy I almost conditioned myself to feel like joy is never appropriate. And that's just false. That's untrue. And I can see where my brain needed that. I can see where it was appropriate for our communal experience at certain times over these last incredibly challenging two years. But we're not in those years anymore. And again, the challenges are not done. We're just not in the exact same position that we were two years ago. And... It's just false that it's never appropriate to feel joy. And I'm noticing that that lesson born of the trauma that my brain has learned. And it's something I've got to unlearn. I've got to be able to connect to joy. We've got to be able to connect to joy because there is a joy deficit, as my teacher said. And I think one of the things I really have to unlearn is that that misconception that joy and again this is a, a distortion that my mind has created in response to the trauma that we've all been through but this distortion that joy is never productive to the aim of liberation right my mind has created this false narrative. I'm kind of discovering this as I say it out loud, as I continue to process these teachings and and share them in this podcast. But my mind has created this distortion because of all of the heavy shit we had to go through. The joy is never productive to the aim of liberation. And that is completely false. Especially in a world that is made up of systems that make it possible for all of this heavy shit to happen and to have this traumatic effect on us, there are times where it is radical and subversive to feel joy anyway. Because joy is sometimes, not always, right? There are times when joy is not appropriate. But sometimes and in some ways, joy is the opposite of the systems of oppression that have traumatized us so much. Because these systems would rather treat us all like money-making machines, essentially. And joy says, 
I don't have to be defined by what I can do for you or how much money I can make for you or what I mean to this you know, system of capitalism or whatever it is. Joy says, I can just be in ecstatic bliss and love because of the moment that's in front of me, because of whatever I'm experiencing right now, that's enough and I feel joy. So I do believe that joy can be subversive and joy can be radical, especially depending on who we are and what our identities are and where we are positioned. Me, as a woman, I hold one marginalized identity in that I am a woman and that is a marginalized identity because being a man is privileged in our society. I'm also a white woman and so I also hold a privileged identity alongside my marginalized identity given that being white is, is very much privileged in our society. I am you know, a queer woman. Uh, I identify as bisexual, which is a marginalized identity. I am also able-bodied, privileged identity. So my, my identities are very complex. I hold a lot of mixture of privilege and marginalization. So in some ways, my joy is pretty radical. Like my joy as a woman in a world that would still like me to be a second-class citizen, which is not up for debate, given that this summer, um, you know, my right to my own body, the, my constitutional right to make decisions about my own body was overturned, right? So my joy as a woman is pretty radical. But again, I have all these privileges. But if we think about, like, black joy, the joy of, of people of color in a world that wants to keep people of color on the margins. Joy takes up space. Joy comes out from the margins and takes up space. So black joy is incredibly radical and subversive. Queer joy in a world that would still prefer a heteronormative, you know, standard to hold everyone to is subversive. So different kinds of joy are even more radical because of who is feeling the joy. And there's another teaching that comes from my lineage of yoga, Live Double. It comes from Ma Jaya, who was my teacher's teacher, right? Swami Jaya Devi is my teacher here in Atlanta. Her spiritual teacher and the founder of my yoga lineage was Ma Jaya. And Ma Jaya is like the primary teacher. She is like the source of all the teachings in my lineage. And one of the things she would say is live double. You know, when we lose someone, when we experience grief, when there's a loss, we have to live double for the people who are no longer here. And I don't know if you've noticed, but we've lost a lot of people. I say I don't know if you've noticed with a smirk, but it's not even really that funny because we don't, you know, we, we have, we're not still not dealing with the just massive loss, the death toll of COVID. And then, of course, there's the death toll of, of white supremacy that is thousands of years old and continuing. But we've lost a lot of people. And in some ways, we are responsible for living double for those people, for feeling radical joy on behalf of those who are no longer here to feel it so that we can leave a more joyful world for whoever's next. So I'm engaging with joy as a radical practice. And I'm sitting in a little bit of grief as I do that, right? As I really watch and accept this awareness that I am a little bit disconnected from joy because I've been conditioned by trauma to feel that way. 
and I've got to uproot that. And of course, discernment is always necessary, right? Discernment is, is consciousness. It's a consciousness practice to be discerning. It's wisdom to be discerning. And wisdom is one of the qualities of the, the spiritual body. Um, so, you know, there are still moments where we don't want to bring our PowerPoint of accomplishments to a funeral, where expressing our joy out loud is not appropriate. But I think the falsehood is, is cutting ourselves off from it altogether. I think that causes a lot of harm. So reconnecting to joy. I feel like the last few podcasts I've shared, there have been a lot of take home practices in addition to like the in the moment seated meditations we've been doing. And I'm sitting with that as I, as I say it out loud, it's like, okay, you know, I'm reflecting on that and seeing that you know, I think we're living in a, in a time where like just sitting for meditation, although it's incredibly important because it connects us to ourselves, which can connect us to our radical joy, but it's just not enough, right? We can't meditate our way out of some of the shit that we're facing. And we've really got to go out and embody it in the world. So the first thing I'm going to do is give you another take home practice. And that practice is feel the joy, Right? get a little curious about where in your life there is room for joy. One of the members of our community in class last night was talking about their four-year-old getting a yellow belt and how adorable it was to see them breaking the board and getting so excited. And our teacher pointed out, you know, that's one of those moments where you just take it all the way in and you feel that joy. So I offer you now a practice of getting curious. Where are those moments where there's just sweetness? There's just goodness. There's laughter joy, right? Is it a like an inside joke that you have with your partner or something adorable that your kid is doing or, or an accomplishment that your kid has made? Is it, you know, just watching the leaves change here as I record this in the fall? Only you know, but you know, it's either going to be like an instinctual thing. As I say it out loud, you might already have something coming to mind, or it's going to take some curiosity to look around and really scan, scan for the moments of joy. And I want to acknowledge that that's that's challenging in itself. Our brains are wired to scan for the negative. And in part, that's evolutionary because our minds are, are built to assess threats in order to survive. And that's how we have survived over thousands of years. But we can retrain our brains. Our brains have an incredible amount of neuroplasticity, meaning that we can create new neural connections through different types of repeated practices. So it might have to be a repeated practice to scan for the joy. But I invite you to do that. And then once it becomes apparent to you, see if you can take it in like you would in meditation, pausing and actually taking a breath in and out. doesn't matter how deep your breath is. You don't have to change your breath, but you imagine just breathing in this moment of joy that's in front of you and breathing it out. You can even say to yourself, breathing in joy. Breathing out joy. And we're going to do a short practice here in the moment for connecting to joy. But it, for, it felt important to first acknowledge that in order to really connect to the joy in your life, it's got to be in your daily life. So I want to offer that. And before we transition into meditation, I want to offer one more thing. 
I'm going to sing. I've been doing that a lot lately. I've been in positions to do a lot of spiritual singing for different communities and in my yoga classes. And as I say that out loud, I can acknowledge that as a moment of joy. Music has always been a love of mine. So I'm going to offer a little singing and then we're going to transition into a little bit of seated practice. This is one verse of the spiritual peace like a river. But instead we're going to we're going to use the verse about joy because that's what we're we're working with as a spiritual practice today. So here's a little offering for you. I've got joy like a fountain. I've got joy like a fountain. I've got joy like a fountain in my soul. I've got joy like a fountain, I've got joy like a fountain, I've got joy like a fountain in my soul. Joy like a fountain. Let's see. Let's see if we can do a little practice with it. have arrived at the moment in the awareness offerings podcast where we shift from listening and speaking into being and practicing so if you're not in a position to sit for a moment to get still in meditative practice this is a great time to pause the podcast and come back when you are if you are in a position to go into meditation for a moment first thing i'll invite you to do is find a comfortable seated position and as always this is any seat at all on any surface, right? On your cushion or a pillow or a blanket, on a chair or on your bed, with legs in any shape and with any kind of support, like back support or knee support, any of those shapes, as long as you can find length in your spine. The spine is the central channel of energy in the body. So when it's long, things are just moving more freely. There's a sense of flow uh, rather than a sense of stuckness. Okay, so finding your comfortable seated position, then you could close your eyes or you could take a soft gaze, right? Looking down the tip of your nose or toward the floor, just minimizing the external stimuli so you have more energy to put toward the internal for these few minutes. Beginning to turn toward yourself. And as you do that, you might be turning toward your own breath. You don't have to do anything with your breath. You don't have to change it. Just start to watch it. Maybe noticing the temperature, cool air coming in. Warm air going out. Maybe noticing the sound like a wave or like the wind. Noticing anything you can notice. Just starting to wake up the part of you that is beyond just your mind, that can watch and witness. Your mind might still be part of it, (laughs) might be active here. But if we can start to notice that we're thinking, that means we're not just the mind. There's something bigger at play. So we expand the awareness into the part of us that can just watch it all. Watch the breath. Watch the mind. 
Watch anything else that might be coming up. Physical sensations in the body, emotional sensations. I'm going to invite you from this place to bring to mind anything that makes it easy for you to feel joy. It could be something that, you know, still makes it easy for you to feel joy now, or it could have been something that was really joyful a few years ago before we all kind of collectively got a little disconnected from our joy. But either way, you know, trust what comes up as you think about it and reflect on it and bring that joyful object to mind, right? It could be your pet, your kid, sunrise, outer space, a good meal, a really funny meme. (laughs) Anything goes here, but bring that to your mind. And imagine as you breathe and center some presence on it, joy like a fountain. Imagine joy pouring from you, probably from the center of your chest, the energy center of the heart, but really wherever, just pouring from you toward this object of your joy. Even if it doesn't feel like it's easy to feel that joy right now, I get it. That's what this whole podcast is about. Just imagine it happening, you know, like visualize the movement of the energy of joy from you to the object of your joy even if it's just in your mind and not an embodied feeling yet. Just imagine pouring joy and pouring joy and pouring some more joy. And start to make note of how it feels, whether it is a feeling or just a thought, how it feels to engage with joy in this way as you continue to pour it out toward the object of your joy. Now from here, bring your focus back to that object of your joy and say thank you in your mind. Just thank them or it, you know, whatever it is. Say thank you for teaching me about joy, acknowledging this, whatever it is, as a teacher of joy in your life. And then kindly ask them to depart. Ask them to go. You might even envision them getting up, walking away, if it's a person or a living being, or just dissolving if it's something inanimate. But asking that object to leave, but getting curious about keeping the joy. Maintaining or feeling, asking for that sensation of joy or the thought of joy, if it's not a feeling yet, Without an object, just joy for the sake of joy. Practicing curiosity around that for a moment and notice where you might feel it in your body, how it feels.
joy for the sake of joy. Now just imagine gathering the awareness, the feeling, the breath right at the center of your chest, a few inches over from your physical heart in the spiritual heart, the energy center of the heart. Just pouring awareness, maybe moving breath, feeling sensation right at the center of your chest. Landing in your heart for a moment as one kind of well, like a water source for the fountain of your joy. Maybe it's a fountain that hasn't been active for a while. And again, that makes sense, but just nourishing the source as you breathe some awareness into your heart. I'll invite you to breathe in as if you could drink in from this water source of joy at the heart. Take an exhale, a release of any kind. And then as you feel ready, you might begin to blink your eyes open, taking your time. My teacher, Swami Jayadevi, would say, easing out of the meditation rather than jumping out of it. You might begin to move your body if needed as you kind of orient back to the world around you. But having done practice, you now get to keep awareness of the world within you as well. Of your capacity to feel joy. Again, whether you feel it right now or it's just an intention rather than a feeling just yet. But taking with you perhaps the knowing that you are capable of getting curious about joy thinking about joy, turning toward joy, and working with joy. It can be a subversive, revolutionary, transformative practice to reconnect to our joy. I think we all need it after the last couple of years that we've had. And just because we exist, I believe that we have a a right to feel our joy. Thank you for joining me for this awareness offering and for going into embodied practice with me. You can find me on social media at Laura Tara, L-A-U-R-A-T-A-R-A on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. My intro and outro music was created by none other than my very own brother, Oxella Sun, O-X-E-L-A-S-U-N, whom you can also find on Instagram.